As I was uh, preparing the message, I was at the beginning of the week, and so I was thinking about the Hugo, excuse me, the, the last hurricane in Houston, Texas. And so uh, some of the thoughts here are now got to change because I think they're going to be connecting to uh, us in Florida in addition to the last uh, hurricane. But Beyonce and, and Barbara Streisand, kind of an unusual mixture of people, uh, were advertising a, a wonderful concert coming up as a benefit for the people in Houston who are suffering uh, still from the tragic flood. And it, it seems like when there's a tragedy, uh, some of the very best in us emerges. There is a longing that God planted in the human heart, I am convinced, uh, to help the healing process. And so you've, you've seen the tragedy and the uncertainty of, of people now again in Florida as Irma continues to move uh, northward. The, the uncertainty that people face and there is this desire on our part uh, somehow to contribute, to be a part of the healing process uh, because we all face storms of one kind or another. Uh, I was mindful of, uh, on the other side of us too, uh, a longing not so much, but a part of us that lets go of those uh, desires that are helpful and healing and hopeful, that are self-centered, uh, organized in our ability to contend against those who, uh, who see things differently from us. And politically especially, uh, that is evident in our world right now, and especially our country. Uh, instead of that longing for healing and hope and being instruments of that, we try to, it seems, prove the other side wrong and find justification in winging uh, arguments that divide us as a people more than heal us uh, as a people. And so this, this context in Jesus uh, is evidently seeing within his group of followers some contentiousness. And how do you deal with somebody who differs with you perhaps even vastly? Uh, go and talk to them and try first to resolve the issue. And then eventually he's going to move into the next text for next week and talks about forgiveness. Uh, how many times must we forgive those who wrong us or see things differently from us? The focus is supposed to be, according to Jesus and his teachings, to forgive one another and to live in that sense of love and hopefulness uh, rather than attacking those as being separate from us or different from us. Look at the sin in your own life. Look at the long in your own eye, Jesus is going to say in the Beatitudes, instead of seeing the speck in your brother's eye. How do we live in a time of judgment and hostility and division when there's this other side of us that longs for healing and hope and bringing to our neighbors who are literally flooded with stresses themselves uh, some of the hope of Christ that makes us different than the rest of the political world that we seem to live in in this moment. I was mindful. If I've shared this story before, forgive me. Uh, it's one that seems to fit this text. It's about the Catholic priest and the rabbi and the Methodist minister. And I know a lot of stories started off that way instead of two men going into a bar. But these, uh, these three gathered uh, weekly for a time of prayer and sharing what's going on in their parishes. But one week they decided that it would be good what they're preaching to, to share in their own group of three to confess their sins to uh, each other. And the three agreed to do this and uh, to pray for each other. And the priest agreed to go first, and the Methodist minister was kind of bouncing on his toes, so he didn't know what was going on with him. But the priest confessed, I got a little problem with alcohol. 
I, I drink a little too much. And the Methodist minister's response was to be even a little bit more animated. And then the rabbi said, I'll go next. And he said, you've got, got to confess, I have a problem with gambling. And the Methodist minister was bouncing quite a little bit more. And uh, they finally, one day it was his turn. He was going to go next. And he said, well, okay, tell us, what is, what is your sin that you want to confess? He said, my problem is with gossip, and I can't wait to get back to the church to tell about you two. There is evil within us. Uh, there is that side of us that um, actually enjoys some of the things that we say. And gossip is certainly one of those. And how we attack other people, and especially easy today on the Internet, on Facebook, to say things that are in our hearts that a whole lot of people are picking up and reading. Uh, and uh, need to be mindful of the words that we speak that can break people's hearts sometimes if we're not careful. So are we witnessing to healing? in our own lives, or are we harboring resentments? I was thinking about that in this text this morning and how uh, there are issues where we, we can identify with this desire to prove ourselves somehow superior instead of being, uh, as Paul calls us to be, you know, uh, those who are imitators of Christ. What did he ask for us to, to be like? How is he calling us in our own individual walks to to live each day in how we talk and share. You know, as uh, I shared uh, before, a, a powerful moment in my life when I entered the Church of St. Peter's, the Basilica in, in Vatican City. But as gorgeous as that building is, and you're thinking about being the church, and we think of buildings so frequently, you come into this incredibly beautiful edifice, um, but there, as I recall, to the right of the, the door as you enter is this, the Pieta, uh, where Mary is, is holding uh, the broken body of Jesus. And if you, if you think much about it, here is the body of Christ, and here is the building, also called the body of Christ, the church, and here are we uh, called to be the body of Christ uh, in the world in which we live. So Mary is holding the body of Jesus as it's come off of the cross, and uh, it's across her lap. This is her son who has died uh, for the sin of the world. And we're called to be witnesses to that kind of love and that kind of sacrifice as we embody uh, being the church that Christ calls us to be. Well, the, uh, so often we work on, on issues and we have to be right. I don't know, that seems more and more uh, what we're encountering today, an unwillingness to move towards forgiveness and healing because we feel so strongly about our being right and the other person being wrong. Uh, and we have to defend our righteousness by proving the other person wrong. There's a, a true experience I had with uh, a man who was a member of another church in, in a community, not here, not, not in Paradise, but one in Stockton. And he had called me one night uh, because of a problem he was facing with his daughter. They'd been estranged for a long, long time, and he could not forgive her. This was the issue. And I tried to share with him, you know, you, you need to keep that door open. Otherwise, there'll be great regret in both of your lives. 
but he couldn't do it. And it was so sad to me that no matter how hard I tried, and others, I'm sure, tried to get him to let go of that hostility he had to whatever thing it was that divided them, to let it be healed. He went through another crisis after that and another. Uh, a man of, of great intellect, but great pride that he couldn't even allow the, the door of healing to be opened in his relationship to his, uh, his daughter. Well, there was dissension amongst the followers of Jesus here in the New Testament lesson. And they could not resolve the issues. And so Jesus set up a pattern. Go and talk to your brother, uh, the one with whom you have a disagreement. Try to resolve the issue. He, he doesn't say, go ahead and win the argument and prove him wrong. He says, go and talk to them. Go and talk to him with the focus in mind of healing the relationship, healing and hope and restoration, always the goal of Jesus. Only then when that breaks down do you go to the church in order to resolve the hostility and the issues. So we don't have to change people's minds. We need to love them in order to bring them into the understanding of love and understanding that Jesus called his disciples to, to face. Well, St. Paul is doing something similar in the church at Corinth. Uh, the issue was what binds us together and what divides us from one another. Uh, food offered to idols, you know, food that was prepared for. If you know that it was food offered to idols and uh, the person is bringing it to you and telling you that, what can you do with the food itself? Should you eat it or should you refrain from eating it? But Paul says the same thing as Jesus says to the disciples. If it is an issue that divides the one who gives it to you, then don't eat it. But if it is not an issue, eat it with freedom. And he talks about the difference between freedom and justice. And we are free, uh, uh, the paraphrase from uh, the different translations, whichever one you happen to read, uh, are we free to do everything? And Paul says, yes, we're absolutely, as Christian people, uh, bound together by grace and freedom to do what we want to do, to, to eat or to, to live whatever way we want to live. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be free, to experience the love and grace and forgiveness of Christ. But there's that conjunction. Not everything works for good. Not everything works for good. Are we those who live in grace and freedom for ourselves, but don't always live in grace and freedom for the other? Do we listen to our brothers and sisters with whom we disagree? Paul was talking, I think, about his own rejection uh, of uh, Jesus, as his name was Saul, and how he went through all these extreme efforts and his commitment to what was right at the moment to destroy the church and how he was involved. Remember, the, the cloak was laid at Stephen's uh, at, the, at the feet of Paul, Saul then, for killing uh, the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He was zealous in what was right in his heart, and he did everything he could to destroy uh, the Christian movement until Christ came into his own life in that Damascus Road experience, and he saw himself in the eyes of Jesus. Paul is, is saying, we are called to be imitators of Christ, and so he uses himself, and you think of his example, how he surrendered himself completely to the will of Christ in his relationship with others, and he says finally, be an imitator of me, 
of me, of Paul, as I am now an imitator of Christ. So as we enter this period of seeming increasing political tension and division, even within some of our own friendships, uh, there is a message to be an imitator of Christ in the way we relate to each other, uh, in the gossip that maybe we're uh, not aware of, how it hurts and wounds people, and, and some of the things and ways we express e each other and ourselves. To love one another as Christ loved us, and to be imitators of that love in our relationships. Let's pray together. Loving God, you've called us to be healers, to let that longing for hope and restoration to be in our hearts, uh, to be those who get in our boat and help our neighbor when the floods of, of uh, uncertainty overwhelm us. Make us always sensitive to those that have issues that are beyond our own and to be listeners, not always passing judgment on the view that others hold, but love them as Christ loved us, and especially if we disagree with them. Fill us with grace. Help us to be witnesses to the freedom we have to be completely free in Christ, but above all, to let Christ shine and live in our hearts and in the words we speak and in the motives that we intend to share. Fill us with that grace and that hope that your kingdom would come and that we would be instruments of that kingdom in the way we live and move and have our being. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen.